0: Hi and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: Giving space to the often unheard questions,
0: doubts, hopes and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen.
1: And I'm Kathy, And we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead.
0: One of the things that really stood out for me from our conversation with Caleb was his comments around the difference between formation and discipleship and education mm-hmm. and how often we have focused on needing to download ideas into people yeah. and then assuming that those ideas and that information is going to form people in Christ-likeness.
1: So let's listen in.
0: Kia Caleb. It's so great that you are joining us on the Changes Ahead podcast. Thank you so much for taking us the time to, to think with us and imagine what we could look like as the church to engage more in the mission of God in the world. So, welcome. Mm, kia ora, tēnā Thank you for having me. We'd like to start the episode just inviting the guests to introduce themselves a little bit. And and I kind of like the question of what does it mean to be Caleb today?
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Just leading lead me in there nice and easy. Oh well, kilda ora tātou katoa for up tāpiti moenga ko mātuku matafaoaro te waka ko hokianga tiawa te, te moana ko uh, ngai tupoto uh, uh ngati here uh, uh, te te hapu ko uh, hare uh, o Harris uh, tōku uh, ingoa fano ko akata Tōku papa ko ana Tōku mama ko uh, Debra uh, taku uh, horama uh ko Iraya Rawa Nico. Uh, um, so what does it mean? What did you say? What does it mean to be Caleb? Yeah. What does it? Wow. Um, <laughs>
0: You've just told well, us some go. of that,
2: obviously. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, so I guess my pepeha speaks to a large part of that. So, well, Caleb itself, I was named by my dad uh, uh, after... Uh, you know, the guy that never gets much credit, um, as opposed to Joshua, in the the story of <laughs> the nation of Israel. And it uh, talks to, I guess, my Christian papa, my parents, they both come from, you know, being converted in, I guess, the, 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 the 80s. They were part of the Pacific Island Presbyterian Church, both of them, and they were baptized, um, nautily baptized, they weren't allowed to, right, because they were Presbyterians. So mm-hmm. they got full immersion. So they they were Baptists before they knew it. And shortly after that, they um they were involved in youth ministry. And then um, I actually grew up um, not in church. Uh was actually they were actually kicked out of church leadership for having me. And so uh, I, I spent probably the first 10, 12 years of my life churchless, but not godless. Um wow. my parents had a very deep personal relationship with Jesus and it was very real. And that is kind of his, yeah, I guess that was the first catalyst for. Knowing God, um, in my whānau, and we have, yeah, kind of reflected that. My whole family reflected that more as we've, you know, lived our lives following Jesus. Uh, all of us, which is a, a massive blessing
3: yeah.
2: in itself. And we uh, found ourselves at the at the Baptist Church in South Auckland. Uh, papa Toy Baptist uh, became Monaco City Baptist, and yeah, I, that's that's kind of that part of our history. And so, so I've got, yeah, I've got Papa Papa to up north in the Hokianga. My Nana comes from there. Um, just watched the Fina Cooper movie well, Fennie Cooper's father and my great-great-grandfather were my best friends. Um, wow. So, yeah, got 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 background that's up cool. there. Um, Catholic um, on that side. My nan said she was Catholic. If she meant church-going, she didn't mean she was Catholic. But, uh, and then the rest of my um, grandparents all immigrated in the 50s and 60s from uh, what is known as the Cook Islands, from various islands there. So, that's kind of a little bit of my background. And born and raised in South Auckland. And, yeah, just... Uh, Man, that question, what does it mean to be Caleb? Goodness. Uh it means today to be a father, to be a husband, to be a lecturer now mm-hmm. um, at Kerry Baptist College, having been a pastor, although I found that we can't take that hat off, unfortunately. don't it. <laughs> I wish I could, but I can't. And uh yeah, it means that I attempt to be to run half marathons and I injure myself. I avid support of the New Zealand mighty warriors and you know. Some other sports and stuff like that. But, um and a lover of Jesus, hopefully, that's, mm. that's
0: the, the, let's say it's that. It's that. Mm. You mentioned that you're lecturing at Kerry. Could you tell us a little bit about what your focus is in, in those lectures and in, in the space that you are there? Yeah, sure. So, about 11
2: years ago, I left high school and I went to Kerry to do intermission. And intermission was designed as the space, marginal space, where young adults, you know, those that are wrestling with their faith can have a, have a formational experience. Uh, a cohort where they can ask the questions that their churches weren't asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their youth groups were definitely not asking yes. and and that they could learn about a, a more a breadth and depth about Christianity that um, you can't pick up uh, from a three-point sermon on a Sunday nor a Uh, raving, awesome Baptist youth group on a Wednesday or something like that, that both of you would know much about. (laughs) So, and submission was really a thing that uh, was designed to open the eyes of young people. So I did that uh, 11, 12 years ago. Changed my life. It's one of the best years I ever had, particularly following Jesus. And the opportunity came up, you know, a decade later to come and lead it as the first person to do that, having done it. And I'm a big believer Uh, not just in the you know, it's always had a prophetic nature about it. Uh, The way I look at it is there was um, kind of a two-pronged, maybe there was a three-pronged approach. The first pronged approach was a deep spirituality. Mm. And I think in an increasingly shallow world, that was Mm. very much needed those years ago that it was made. And God, do we know that it's needed more than ever now, (laughs) but also a deep sense of justice and a more fuller understanding of that word. And I think maybe the third prong was a deeper formation and discipleship, one that Affected more than just you know bums on seats or just a nice well well done you you got baptized you're now a Christian be good. Uh, There was you know a deeper sense of hey people being called to um, living intentionally and in community. So a lot of uh, intermissioners now and then they have populated I guess intentional communities uh, Christian ones throughout New Zealand and even overseas. So it's been quite a a big I guess poth in the ground. So, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it, as you can tell. And, uh, yeah. Mm.
1: I just love what you're saying in terms of a safe space to be able to really question Mm. and what that forms in you when you have that freedom.
2: Mm, 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 Um, And I, I suppose
1: I was curious about, you know, the kind of questions. I mean, obviously, no question is taboo.
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the heart of it has always been, I guess, this intermission, literally, this space, this pause not a gap year because that's one thing that I've said for years, but it's not. It's, it's mm-hmm. an intentional pause to then go. Okay, here's we've created some space. What could God do? And you know, wow. I'm only halfway through with our awesome team this year, yeah. and just the the gold that's come out of it, and and the gold that's come out through the refining process, right? Because oh. it's actually it's all the hard stuff that, that yes, it's and, the you hard know, stuff. And, and and the thing I, I say is in 2022, more than ever, when our young people are more and more inoculated from danger mm. and from failing oh it's so good it's so good to just have a space to be like you know to look at people and go yeah develop your theology of failure and of suffering and of, you know marginality that's the kind of that that's all that's 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 one of our kind of focuses that we have there so yeah
1: Hmm. a word that comes to mind is this sort of robustness that's what you're you're developing this incredible robustness yes to be able to do life together Mm. and to do it well Mm.
2: Absolutely. It just really resonates, yeah, and I think in more recent years it, it's changed from that. Kipapa, and by that, I just mean as churches have been, you know, declining, as we say, in attendance, mm. what, what not. I think when we talk about the decline, I, I, I see more a decline of full heartedness, a decline of presence, yeah. a decline mm. of, as you know, it's, it's sure you can talk about the numbers, but you know, it's this ability to, to go all in, and I yes. think that's that's the thing that's been. Mm. That's really helped—not helped, helped sorry—hindered intermission on its co of being this space where people are just too busy, too tired, too qualified to, mm. you know, come and 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 give themselves to the space. So um, it's really hard because when I do zooms or coffees with people about intermission, I often find out, oh, this is choice B, C, or D. But um, I basically say to them, hey, let me present to you this co-papa, and then you talk to God about it, and I'm not going to force you. And so what's funny is i I've de- the, the the failure rate has been very high in terms of getting people to join, mm. but it's almost like um, raising the bar is is actually the goal yes. not to lower it yes. um, so yeah I agree
1: with
0: that you're an interesting mix uh, yeah as far as your you've just recently been pastoring you oh. are now kind of in this really intensely formational role. One could argue both should be that, but I wonder if if they're mm-hmm. not quite the same in your observation, How would you see the difference in the discipleship process, say within intermission, and within a a regular church?
2: For me, both come under this kind of the vehicle of education. There is this idea that to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to, in some way, be informed and to be educated. And I see that as a similarity. And I see positives in that. But but I guess what I'm and it might sound weird because I'm now a lecturer. But what I'm seeing now is the negativity of that. Mm. And what I mean by that is I'm seeing the being put in a boxed nature of that. I'm also seeing alternatives. So I'm seeing the problem being actually part of the problem, I think, is what we think is our solution, which is to educate people. And I'm going, you know, it's it's deeper than that. Mm. It's one of the findings. So, so my church, uh, Rolloch really Baptist, and I'm still there after I'm finishing pastoring, but one of the, the, the observations that was made uh, when COVID hit was that when it came to people doing discipleship, people were ill equipped and ill equipped comprehensively. So not just, oh, the pastors didn't do good enough sermons. No, like from top to bottom, this idea that we all participate together mm. in our discipleship mm. and in discipling others, mm. that was found wanting. And I think that that's probably because one of our primary vehicles for doing that is this idea of education and this idea that we can sit in a room and I can stand up in front and pour that information into you that will make you walk away and you know look, look and smell and just like Jesus, which... I think it's got a part to play, but I think it's been the primary vehicle. And so that's probably my connection there, Steve, between them is I find there's this, um, yeah, there's this overarching kind of, um, I'm not going to call it an idolatry, but a, but this really high mm. placement and value on the ability to educate as a means of discipling. And I'm going, you know, those early disciples... They reminded me of my fellow South Aucklander when I used to grow up, the, the the guys around me that were very practical, far more practical than wanting to sit around and do small group talk. Hmm. Uh, Jesus did that. But, you know, there was this embodied nature, mm. there was this physical, visceral, all right, you say that, I'll go do this, um, hmm. nature to faith. And I think that in our education, as it's gotten more academic and outcome-based the whole process of that journey, the formation bit. And so that's what we're talking about at Kerry is about what does formation look like? Because I think mm, when question. it's driven by outcome and assessment and the A+, plus, you know, I say to my intermission, and I say it quite widely, so it'll be known, I said, if you are an A-plus student, um, but a C-minus follower of Jesus, then I want to quit my job. Because mm. I really, it's the other way around, I'm sorry. And I think theology, and particularly in theological institutions, we've got a lot to answer. being part of i think the problem of not focusing so much on that formational part although we say we do and i think i think we do but i don't know if we've analyzed our part to play in the education process and how in fact the monocultural way we do that or the you know the, the very narrowistic way we can do that actually doesn't actually leads towards the problems that we think it's solving
0: well let's pick up on the monocultural perspective there that churches can have. I, I think we've just celebrated as a country the first time Matariki has been a public holiday. Mm. And wow, amazing, eh? In the church that I'm pastoring in, we we had an opening Karakia in today for the for the first time, I'm ashamed to to say, and and wow. uh, most of the songs were had at least a verse in today, and we yeah we used engaged in a bunch of the stuff that has been put out by NZBMS and and other places that has just really helped yes. us as a predominantly Pakia middle class church to engage in in the beauty yes. of this time of year <laughs> and. There's a tension in me, I think, because on one hand, the last thing I want to be doing is as as a leader is doing anything that could be seen as or actually is token uh, towards acknowledging our Mm. um, obligations as treaty partners. But also the the reality is we're still early on the journey as far as Mm. figuring out what it means to be good treaty partners. So could you speak to perhaps some of your experience growing up or or even more recently, perhaps, in, in your leadership roles as someone who is tangata whenua of Aotearoa?
2: Mm. So I, I went to Keri, as I said, when I uh, left high school. But at that point, I, like many other Māori, and this is 2010s, and this is when I think the shift started happening, mm. for my generation at least. And I went and like many others, I was quite ashamed of being Māori. And I think that um, it's very like there's very very little Maori that don't feel the same if they're grown urban, grown up urban like I have. And so I was very okay to lean towards my Pacific Island side, um, but it was only when I went to Keri and we had to go to the mudai and we had to go there. And I remember walking on and having this very, very real, now I'm uh, experienced. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm quite, Oh, I don't know if I, I'll call myself Penty maybe Baptist but for me, you know, hearing from God, it's not a, it's not a, um, a, an audio thing, uh, normally, but, um, on this occasion, I, I just, I felt, uh, mm. weird when I walked on and I felt disconnected because I'd never seen in any of my, my Pacific Island or Maori culture, really, I've never seen that represented as a Christian. And so I walked on and it was a Christian marae and Christian people. And I was with predominantly Pake Christians. And I just remember asking God, God, What's the point of my culture? Because, you know, like you'd expect, I was told that it's about Jesus culture, um, not, not my own culture, that I have to stop being Maori um, in essence. Maybe not said that directly, but from all, all sides, that was what's known. And, and I want to say that's from all sides. That's not just um, Pākehā, um, it's from all sides. Hmm. And so I remember having this moment and talk to God and I said, what, what do you have to say to all this and how I'm feeling right now? And I uh, felt him say to me, um, I made you, I made you Maori, Caleb. And and, and I've never, never considered that, which mm. might sound weird, but yes. I've said that very same line to Maori as my students. And they have looked at me flummox. I remember one time uh, in a class that me and Steve, he's the teacher as well um, on, on the Bible. I'm sharing about uh, the new heavens and new earth and how um, I, I'm so glad to be um, fully, fully um, connected to God uh, as a Maori in heaven. And I remember a fellow mouldy looking at me, going putting putting their hand up and going, "Wait, what? We're we going to be mouldy in heaven?" And I looked at this person and I said, "Well, what the heck else are you going to be?" And I just remember just this look of actually disappointment. And I went, "Oh, that's a bit stink." But when it came to doing an assessment next, um, this person actually was inspired by that corridor and ended up doing a creative presentation of a carving and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, because you said I'm Maori, that means that this is what I've got and I'm bringing into the new heavens and new earth. I was, I was amazed. And mm-hmm. so that form, I've had that experience. I've gone mm-hmm. from I'm shamed to I'm so proud. In fact, people don't even realize that I'm, that I'm Islander a lot of the time. Um, and grew up most of my life as that. And I guess people don't really understand what it's like to have different cultural backgrounds either, because it's, it's, It's as complicated and as simple as it sounds, it is. So so for me, I actually found myself become more Māori as I became more involved, particularly in my training at Kerry. That was it. And I didn't feel like that at church at all. I felt quite embarrassed, but I took that back. And so my journey since then, like many others, has been this conversion to Jesus and this conversion to being Māori. And um, just another story on that. I remember one time we sat with Charles Hewlett in his his office, 13, 14 Māori students, and all we were doing was just sharing our stories. And we went around and I always tell the story because it struck me. We went around the circle, unprompted. We each shared about how we all a started following Jesus and B embraced ourselves and uh, being Maori. And I remember going, if you had a room full of Pākehā, that is not one person is reflecting on the, the yeah. ethnic background, yeah. not one person. There's no need to. Right. No. Uh, and, I, and then I went, and, but, and then even that, I go, and even if you got some Pacifica or Asian cultures, they wouldn't either. There is something about being Maori in New Zealand as a follower of Jesus that is this. It's actually quite a political statement, not just a spiritual one. It's it's aligning yourself with various conflicting ideologies. Um, Last night, I watched, again, Dame Fina Cooper's movie, and uh, they did a beautiful depiction of what it meant for not belonging in your Christianity and not belonging mm. in your Maldiness and not belonging in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Just all of these conflicting, mm. as I said, uh, worldviews. And so for me in a Baptist setting, what's been really a blessing has been, and you'll know, um, Steve, that I, my master's was on Baptist Maori um, history, particularly the mission that was started in the 50s that spearheaded all the, all the missions afterwards. And what struck me from that was that We actually don't have much history as Baptists, and that's actually our advantage, because unlike many other denominations, which have much history to repent and to to grow from, we have a very short one, and it's very localized. Mm. And so in my experience, through particularly Maori Baptist Christians, I found an open space. Now, it wasn't always that, I understand. It was actually a very close space, but now it's completely opposite. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. So... I'm finding that the time is now in terms of people's engagement and openness and, you know, the very people that I remember growing up in youth group who were very opposed to even considering that Maori culture is something to even talk about are the ones that are championing it, learning the language, telling other people off, teaching other people. So that just shows you, I think, that that shows you a move of the spirit um, Mm. and people's openness to the spirit. And thank God for that. Mm.
3: Mm.
1: Just hearing you say all those places that you didn't feel like you I mean, I can't even begin to imagine
3: mm.
1: what that's like. I can imagine it from being a woman and feeling like I don't belong in my own faith so, yeah. and how hard that is. Yeah. And so hearing you, hearing all these different spaces and to not feel like you could embrace being mouldy. Mm. And yeah, so I just wanted to thank you for being that honest and vulnerable with us.
2: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I was just thinking what what has helped. I guess has been others on the journey. You know, I guess they use the word allies, but really it has been uh, for me, and particularly in our movement. I-, I couldn't find it in my church, so I had to mm. go to- more towards the movement and and just Maori leaders that are in our movement, of which many that listen to this will know, um, have played such a key. And because I've done, I've gone through the phases. You know, I, mm. people see me now; they don't know I was I was 18, 19 year old. Me was I was. Willing to burn it all down. And I actually tried. And I left, you know, I left the Baptist churches. I left church and I left for a bit. And you know, the deconstruction stuff and all that. But God was very clear to me that the way forward was to be part of that solution. And so, Mm. and what was brilliant was that wasn't an individual thing. That was actually uh what what I'm finding even more now. That was that was us as Māori that have been in and around not just the church, I'm gonna say in, in New Zealand in general, like you're seeing just an increase of leadership right across the board. Mm. And I think that that's got spirit again. And so that's probably been it for me. It's been part of this wider, not narrative, but mission and looking at those older ones to say, all right, go there and and don't go there, do this and and don't do that. Which I know, for example, you know, when I was pastoring, one of our our Maori leaders, Baptist leaders came to our church and singled me out in front of everyone and said, look after this this guy, Um, he's, he's special. And I remember everyone came up to me afterwards and I couldn't I couldn't understand it. They're like, are you all right? I was like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. And I went, oh, well, in a Maori worldview, that's not pressure. That's expectation. That's my responsibility. That's calling out who I am. And mm. so I was just reminded again of, I'm just playing my part in the wider thing of this. And this is why I do a lot of what I do in terms of even lecturing and what I'm was actually... I'm doing this for my sons. I'm doing this for the little me that is going to be in I don't know Newland, uh, Rimutaka I'm just naming all the Wellington places. There. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Apotiranga. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, Greymouth, or Christchurch, or you know, mm. uh, you know kaitaya That are going to be interacting with these beautiful Baptist folk. You know, mm. lots of ignorant ones, whatever. But you know, beautiful folk with the gospel. And mm. and I'm going actually like. that that's, that's we. Uh, I've used this phrase a lot, but I was taught this, which was my flourishing is bound up in yours, you know. And that's that's it. That's it. It's it's um, and it's a beautiful picture, I, I think, also of the treaty and a picture of God, really, eh? and the covenant that He that He makes with us, uh, particularly through Christ, that, that mm-hmm. our flourishing as humans mm-hmm. is bound up in, in
0: in His. I, I wonder if you can talk a little about the, the barriers that you see that are still present, even though there has been this amazing shift, which is, yeah, I, uh, I, the, the move of God's spirit. But I, there, there do seem to be some some barriers still. That. So can, can you talk yeah. to some of them that you have either observed or perhaps experienced and, and, mm. and then perhaps we can move towards how we can move beyond those? So a quote that I always think of is that every system
2: does what it's designed to do. And when I think about our churches, like we have these, these issues or these problem points and we look for those answers. We try to generate answers for them. And I go, well, actually, that's a direct result of what we've done. Like that's di- or, or not done because mm-hmm. of the system that we have. And so, yeah, for me, I think one of the barriers is just that self-awareness to, mm-hmm. to, to go. Actually, you know, for example, I always say to people, I say, we're a settler church. And I know people don't actually understand what that means, but what I mean is, from our inception, we were designed and made for the constituents, which were settler Britain. That's that's what we are and were. We were not a missionary church from the beginning at all. We were explicitly not. You know, uh, we had that decision. Um, you know, by our New Zealand Baptist Missionary Society to focus on India, and of course we went to India. That's where um, we're little Britain, and and Britain went there. So we're going to go there, uh, Māori, That's for the denominations that were here specifically to be missionary. And so
3: hmm.
2: in our original psyche has always been self-preservation of a foreign way of thinking.
3: Mm.
2: It's there. And I'm a bit of a, I love history. And, and when you look it, at it, I go, that's, that's, mm. that's, that, I don't, why are we surprised? Um, <laughs> why, why are we surprised when I guess, you know, uh we're not producing what we want to, whether that's, you know, leadership, whether that's just reaching out in mission to our local neighbor in New Zealand. Well, hey, that's not what we've done. Mm. And so I think a really big hindrance is that is the self-awareness of what is the system that we have all put into. And and there's systems everywhere, right? There's systems, Mm. good, bad. I don't want to put a value judgment on it necessarily, but these systems create these results. And I think part of it is, you know, just seeking first to understand that, mm. um, and to get inside of it. Well, we're already inside of it. How do we, how do we, how do we uh, look at it differently? Well, actually, you need outsiders. I
1: was going to say, and that. I think
2: that's it's mm. a reason. It's a reason mm. why I think, as you said, Kathy, just around being woman in the church, and myself being being Maori in the church, and by the church, you know, we're talking particularly here the, the the largely Pakeha church. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why our voices or thoughts are different and why we can see things so clearly, Mm. and why others can't, and I think Mm. it's about being able to, what hinders is the ability for those in those positions, to not so much have leadership positions, but have an ability to share in a way that opens people's hearts and minds to that, Mm -hmm. Um, I find that I often share things to people that are like, oh my gosh, that's amazing, I'm like, oh, well, all of my family think the same thing, (laughs) like, you know, like, for example, like, like, when we've had guests, I mean, but just we talking like in the church context, like, remember having guests come in going, all oh, right, so who's welcoming them? And they're like, oh no, no one's welcoming them. We're just going to open them up after the, after the, uh, what do you call it, the notices. We're just going to get them on stage. And I'm going, oh my gosh, that's like in our culture, that's, you got to welcome people. You know what I mean? You got to, you got to, there's a process. There's a, who's picking them up from the airport? Who's, oh, but, you know, so this is because we're different. And well, we're different in this context. And yeah, we can see the system and what it's creating. And so, you know, we talk about buzzwords like mm. community in church settings. And I'm just like, and then when you look at the alternative and I'm going, oh, yeah, that just looks like being normal. Um, <laughs> you know, what I mean? What well, you know, it's just be normal. But that's not mm. normal, right? Not not when you're, it's not normal when you're not normal. Yes. So, yeah, bro, um, Stephen, I think that's one hindrance, bro. Probably my main one <laughs> is that.
1: I like to what Caleb was saying about understanding because I love history too. I love to know how did we get here?
2: Because
1: mm. then I can hold it a lot less preciously if I yeah. know how we got here. And if I can understand yeah. that, then we can go, oh, well, we don't need to keep doing that. So yes, I think yeah. your thing about understanding is really important mm. and we don't yeah. have enough of that history. So it, I suppose I'm wondering, how do we get that understanding of where we've come from yes, so that we can yes. understand why we're here now?
2: So, so I think um, it's kind of a point that I've, I've shared on our, on my yes. webinar for Kerry Centre for Lifelong Learning, which is like about um, just simple things. That's why I tell people to learn to deal the basics mm. that they can, because as much as you engage in, in te ao Māori, like yeah, non-Western um, Indigenous cultures, we are excellent at knowing our history. We just, we just—it's ingrained in us. And so, learn from us. <laughs> so, yes. the more that you learn, what I found. So, even you know. Mm. So, my wife is Pakeha, and in her relationship with me, she's had to learn her pepeha and her history, and um, she she didn't really know. I, I don't know if I'll say she she didn't care, but she didn't know too much about it. But there are direct actions she's taken because of her papa. So there's direct areas she's researched. There's concerns she now has about certain industries because that's what the industry she came from. There's there's a learning of the colonial history, particularly. You know, I think about another a person from church. They was talking to me just offhandedly, going, "Oh yeah, Caleb. So um." Uh, did you know that, um you know, where you see, you're from, I actually know some, uh, my, my grandpa used to live there. I was like, oh, why is that? Oh, when they came back from the war, you know how they were giving out land to everyone? And yeah, this gave a, uh, just a piece of land. And I was just like, oh, did you know that they never gave land to Maori that served in the war? You know, there's mm. all these, so you see, that's just a little, it's just like, mm. like like a little funny nugget of history for someone. Mm. Like, oh yeah, my grandfather used to live in this, God knows what town. And then he just happened to migrate. And so we we talk about it like that, right? Like it's like, oh, just, move for a job but when you like through non-western eyes actually migration is massive moving from one city to another has a lot of meaning and mm. so i i find that we just naturally you know it's it's the, the whakatoki right about looking looking um looking back as you walk into the future like you mm. cannot help it and so what i'm loving is that Toiwi, you know um Tangata can learn from Māori the ways that we do things, yes, and then can do it together because that's actually a a covenantal blessing that we have from the treaty. Is um, let's share this, you know, uh, matariki, let's share this together. Here we go. And it's, but here's the thing I think we're at that stage now where it can finally be shared and good stuff can come. Now, all the bad stuff's going to come, we already know that. I'm used to that, and in fact, a lot of that comes from tauiwi, it's for tauiwi to deal with. So you know, if you're that person that is at your church that's championing, you know, Tal Māori or whatever, and everyone and people heckle you. I've been mm. at Baptist churches mm. where pastors have shared their mihī at the beginning, and they've been told to shut up. I've been sitting right there. Mm. I've wow. I've I've heard the sniggers and all that stuff. But guess what? We just keep moving forward uh, because guess what? When you look back in five years, ten years, people have moved on, and mm. I think that's actually what's happening now. I say that, and also think of all the pastors going. Oh, yeah, but what about people? We need the people to come. Get that. Get that. But also, people just won't move sometimes mm. um, until we've all moved off, and then they're like, you know, it's kind of like when, like my little boy, he's three, and um, he's, you know, he's in the food aisle, or he's he's transfixed on a toy at the warehouse, and I just move on, <laughs> and he goes, Daddy, Daddy, where are you? And then I'm like, I'm over here. I'm in it's the next so aisle, and then and then he's just, oh, I gotta come because I can't be by myself here, and so he, you know, runs up like that's not neglect is it that's it's moving forward and moving off of that thing to somewhere else and so he comes with and I think that's kind of what I think and hope our churches would become places more where you're not necessarily leaving people behind but some people you can't
0: drag through the the muds and you know I mean I'm thinking of racism right like you've just described some experiences of observing that and experiencing that yes yes but the the Response of oh, I'm not racist, right? Like is, is kind of yes. in and Pakia particularly. Like, don't you dare call me that. Yeah. And yet that is how we can so often respond out of kind of ignorance mm. or insecurity, perhaps, in our identity. Yeah, um, insecurity. Yep. Totally. And and yet that's not something that is really a part mm. of our, our narrative too much, because because that word is so what's it, fraught for people. And and yet naming just simply as you have, the very beginnings of our movement were mm. settler, were mm. colonial for the colonizers, not mm. for, intentionally not for the people of this land, Tanga Tefenua. Totally. And so that word, do we need to name that more? And, and yeah, and even, it, I know yeah. it becomes kind of, it almost becomes a bit of a buzz or, or a trigger word, but white supremacy within the church mm. structures mm. within, yeah. I don't know if you've got thoughts around that.
2: Yeah, well, I think with all those words and terms, I think just first, I think just knowing that it's really hard to think of those things Christianly, I'll say Christianly rather than theologically, because we have, you know, these kind of things we've decided, like, you know, race and racism and all that, we're going, oh, well, no, but we'll just funnel them through certain verses, you know, like, oh, but all are one in Christ, so it's all good. Yeah, I was once at at a youth thing. And we, so someone, a, a Maori person was like, what about Maoris in the church? And the person was just like, oh, but we all one in Christ. Here. It's neither June nor Gentile, you know, just literally quoting that. Yeah. And so there was this like funneling through of this is how we think about it Christianly. And I think the problem with that is that we settle on um, these pet answers and mm. we're not like Christians are really, it's like, it's like the end of the world when we have to go and renegotiate meanings of words. <laughs> it's the mm. end of, it's like, I'm going to just fall over dead. If we, if you're going to open up this and, and we do the same with political issues, we do the mm. same with theology. We're just like, oh my gosh, it's like, I'm literally, if, if you change the definition of this, it's like, you've just ripped my heart out and I'm going to die. And I think that's probably part of it is that, um, this is why I talk about learning to like, it's funny. i say, learn to deal, learn more about the because when you're in that position, that liminal space in between, mm. and you become an outsider to an inside world. Then you all of a sudden change the way that you think, and so <laughs> terms like racism and white supremacy, you know, they have connotations. But when you are able to learn from the outside in, mm-hmm. then you will find that actually it doesn't have this thing that it has. It's mm-hmm. the reason why we can talk about like the word co-governance right now is the buzzword, and before right. that, it's systemic racism, and the and and you know, critical race theory. That's all about all these things when it comes to race and and all that, but they're these boogeymen, like the same the same words we use when we talk even about the left or evangelicals or all these words we use they're just boogeymen for not engaging like let's just say this word let's judge it let's name it and then let's um let's just like other it and let's just uh let's be scared of it actually and Mm. and and defend ourselves against it you know defend Mm. our faith and i'm just like yeah i think what you're saying steve like i think that's why it's a little thing I say. It's like go learn to deal, go learn yes. mm. a different way of understanding the world. And then it's so funny, guys. Honestly, like and I've said this before. I think you can the openness to, to our Maori, to um, to Māori ways of doing things, you can track that with the amount of Pakia that have learned to deal. You can totally mm. track that. Mm. I reckon there is a direct correlation because why? Because languages are windows into another world. Absolutely. Right? And so whenever I find out, for example, someone speaks more than one language, I automatically go, I think you're a bit more safer. There's a, there's a little bit more trust I have in with you. And particularly, Parker, if I find a Parker that, like, knows, even if they know Spanish, I'm like, "Ah, oh, I can talk to you about a few more things, I reckon. Or, you know, and, and you know, New Zealand, we're on an island. And unlike most of all the other cultures, we don't have to learn other languages, right? That's one of the big things. So, so there's actually so funny multicultural, diverse New Zealand, actually, because we mm. are an island and we actually more secluded, I think we can just live in harmony as we think, but not actually learn the ways of the other. So when I had, when I share people about Maori values and they go, oh, is that why Maori do that? And I'm going, bro, well, didn't you, were you, is this your best friend Maori? Well, yeah, we, but we weren't, we weren't forced to cross the threshold yeah. per se. So yeah, Steve, I think I went right off what you said, bro, but sure. Oh, that's awesome. so much there. There was heaps there. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're talking about, I think, a lifelong stance of learning. That's what we need to encourage. And one of the, the lines that stand out to me in the Bible is to rethink everything. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be able to rethink.
3: Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so
1: in that place of stepping into that liminal space, you are right. That is the only place I believe we truly transform and change. Mm-hmm. There is no other space. Mm-hmm. And so we want to keep inviting people to, I like what you're saying, learn. Let's, let's become learners. Mm,
2: mm. Well, you know, the Greek, what's, what's the Greek word for disciple, right? I never say it right, but mathetes or whatever it is. Uh, learner. learner, Yeah. It's just like, and, in, and in, I think also, I think in a Maori worldview as well, in, in and specifically the same, yep, there's certain like levels of knowledge and, and wisdom, but also, right? Like this learning process, it's you learn, like you might be the doctor of whatever. And then you walk onto a marae, here's the tea towel get in the kitchen. Like, there's this, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's extreme um, tall poppy syndrome, but there is this humility that's embedded mm. of going, okay, I'm not, and it's because it's, I don't think we touched on this, but hyper individualism like, man, that is, that's demonic, and uh, is what I call it. And that is a marker of our churches. That is a marker, mm. particularly of our Western churches. is mm. hyper-individualism. And we want to call all these other immoral things as demonic. Um, th- this is far more demonic. You know why? Because we don't name it demonic. That's why yeah. we know that it is. It is. Um, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm.
1: I agree with you, eh? And it's that hierarchy that we have idolized. And we laugh about being the pastors of our community. And we're on the children's roster because that's <laughs> how we love. We love absolutely. by serving. And so, yeah, yeah trying to flip yeah. it on its head.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, today. So, mm. yeah. yeah. So, as we come to the end of our time together, kind of what are some of the things, or what's one or two little things that you've already talked about people learning today, mm. but what's something that people in their faith communities can do this week that can help us on this journey together?
2: I was just kind of stuck on that liminal space thing. I think. We, we, we're so comfortable and we live our lives in comfort, right? Mm. And that's, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say get uncomfortable because this is, it makes sense. We, we need safety. Mm. We need, we need all those things as humans. But when you have the ability to give up power, mm. that means you have power. And so if you have the choice to not do something or to, to do something, you have power. And I think that's all of us. And I think uh, maybe this week, if you can, analyze times when you have an option out of something. Uh, when you have an option to uh your tires flat hey guess what oh, ami is coming all good well not everyone has that you know and so mm. um or if you have the option to go and talk to someone who speaks another language and actually sit there and be dumb, or whether you have the chance even to try a project and fail at it um you know these are all things i think particularly as adults the older we get the the worse we get at this <laughs> um we've got to be like a you know i think again about my toddler tries anything fails at most of it But actually, it's in that liminal space, as you said, Kathy, that space of uh, neither here nor there, Mm -hmm. where you're not the master, you're not the Mm. expert, but neither are, you know, you're not there, but you're just, you're a learner, you're a beginner. Mm. But it takes discipline to hone your ear, to hear that, and to sharpen your eyes to see it. And so can you generate that from yourself? I don't think you can. I actually think you need others. So actually, seek out others that are different to yourself and ask them it's simple as like the small amount of times I've been asked from someone after even a, I don't know, something's happened, they go, what do you think about that? why well, actually completely disagree with it. Or I feel crap or whatever. And just be in that space. It's mm. enough to start honing. As I said, your eyes and your ears to, mm. to sense differently. So maybe that's it. And it's very, what I just said is very conceptual, but it's also practical. So I don't know.
0: I'd love to hear. How, yeah. It strikes me that people can do that over there. Cup of coffee mm. after a church service, right? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. And exactly. And so that is it's uber practical actually. Just yeah. <laughs> what is the where is some difference you can observe and value and be curious about yeah. it? Yep. Uh, yep. together.
1: And it feels like one simple step to being more self-aware.
0: Totally. Yes. All about it. Yeah. yeah. And if
2: anyone else wants to be about it, then come to Intermission, uh, which we run every year. Uh <laughs> Uh, 20 to 26 year olds you know come along and and learn all
0: about living like this that's what we do yeah do you like how i did that (laughs) that was awesome yeah yeah oh man caleb it's been amazing to to sit with you in this space and and hear your wisdom hear your challenge hear your encouragement and hope as well as we we are journeying together, so mm. so thank you, thank you for the Taonga that is in your voice. So, kia ora. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Kia ora, kia ora. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast.
1: If that resonated with you, we'd love to hear from you.
0: So get in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Changes Aheadcast or Twitter at Ahead Changes. See you next time.